welcome back for another episode of Reasons for Leaving. I am your host and Renaissance man, Dale Robbins. Our audience is growing, and I thank you for listening and telling others about the show. One of the easiest ways to spread the word is by going to the website www.reasonsforleaving.com and sharing the link with a friend. And now for the news. March 12th, 2021, Washington, D.C. The White House announced that a new round of economic stimulus payments could post to citizens' bank accounts within days of the announcement. We're not worthy! We're not Frankfort, Kentucky. The Kentucky State Senate passed a bill that would make anyone who, quote, accost, insults, taunts, or challenges a law enforcement officer with offensive or derisive words or by gestures or other physical contact that would have a direct tendency to provoke a violent response subject to criminal prosecution. Lobbyists for the police union state the bill was necessary because people were being mean old poopy heads. Restaurant, retail, and other workers who face the general public had this to say. You're new here, aren't you? And lastly, Oprah Winfrey sold the rights to her interview with Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan to CBS for at least $7 million. It is estimated 17 million people watched the interview. The following is an excerpt summarizing the interview. Mommy! I've got a dirty thumb. And the response from the palace. And now for what I think. For this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on two of the previous news items. First, the stimulus checks. A new round of economic stimulus payments could post to citizens' bank accounts within days? Well, a monkey could fly out of my butt. And how do these payments magically appear? Aren't these payments going to be sent by the same agency that's already a week late sending out this year's tax refunds? I recently called a different government agency and was told the hold time was 90 minutes. So I waited on hold for an hour and a half while I did chores around the house, but eventually I got through. Now the IRS website says to call if it has been more than 21 days since your filing acceptance. So I called and an automated message told me, due to heavy call volumes, they could not take my call. And then it hung up. With the bill out of Kentucky, as for the physical contact, in general, you do not have the right to touch anyone without their consent. But for the other actions stated in the bill, let me see if I have anything relevant to that. Ah! Here it is. Uh, the First Amendment to the United States Constitution states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I'm not a lawyer, 
but I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court would knock this down faster than Justice Ginsburg could throw on a collar. Well, I, for one, choose to stand up to the man. Kentucky police officers who agree with this bill, to you I say. Yo mama is so fat, she went to the restaurant, read the whole menu, and said, yes please. And that's what I think. Our guest for this episode is um, one of the more fascinating individuals I have ever met. Uh, my friend James Bennett is a high school French teacher and also a published restaurant reviewer, a gourmand, and a drummer in a band. James, uh, so good to have you on the show. Hey, it's, uh, it's good to be here, Dale. So tell us a little bit about how you became a French teacher. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how, like, uh, professional paths work for others, but I've always been drawn to, to language, and, and French especially was something that I always was pretty good at through, like, my high school years and as I was um, going to college. And when I really decided to figure out what I was going to do to make money, um, it was one of the few things that I was good at that I enjoyed. And so... I just kept taking classes through the university until I think I'd taken them all. And yeah, and, and that was kind of always the, the path that I was headed towards was education. Very cool. And you actually lived in France for a period. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, I served an LDS mission in France. Um, I had taken three years of high school French before then and uh, returned and got a master's degree in French literature. So the, I mean, the time in France certainly helped, but there was, you know, quite a bit of, of, of other work that went into it. So you had the uh, education experience with the immersion um, to kind of solidify it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're the advisor for the French club, and you have some type of uh, tradition involving cheese. Can you tell us about that? Um. Yeah, so I, I work at a school on the west side, and... Uh, not many people really ha have delved in to just the vast varieties of cheese that the French have. And it's always uh -huh. been one of the more eye-opening experience for, uh, for students who, uh, you know, where their entire, their, their entire palette of cheese is cheddar and like, you know, whatever's on pizza and maybe pepper jack <laughs> if their parents uh -huh. are you know, kind of fancy. And so to show them even, you know, cheese that doesn't look like what they're used to. Like a, you know, a, a nice round cheese, when you cut it, it looks like Elmer's glue on the inside. Oh. It's always just a fun experience to uh, to see students experience that for the first time. And so, yeah, right. there's always, you know, there's always been some money set aside for for buying cheese, and we, you know, we're lucky in Salt Lake to have access to some pretty good stuff. And so, um, usually around November, we didn't do it this year because of uh because of COVID, but um, uh, locally through Trader Joe's, you can pick up a Camembert variety by a company called Roustique. It's really, really potent. It's the only time of year you can find it. And so that, that, that's usually been the, uh, the deciding point to when it's gonna be, when I can find that specific cheese. But it's, it's always a good potent. time. <laughs> it sounds like it. When you say potent, do you mean like sharp? Um, you know, I don't even know if sharp is the term I would use. I mean, it, it definitely has some funk to it. And so uh -huh. I, you, you can get students to eat the brie because brie is mostly kind of flavorless. 
And you can uh-huh. get like all sorts of weird aged stuff that has like a good flavor. But then the camembert just kind of, you know, it smells like socks. It kind <laughs> of, uh, if you let it go a little bit too long, it just turns into ammonia. And so it, like it starts to really, really smell bad. But it's, <laughs> it's just such an incredible flavor if you can catch it right when it's right when it's perfect. And, and as you said, not something that a kid would have in their house every day. Yeah, not typically. <laughs> now, it, it would be natural to to assume that you'd be the advisor for the French club. Um, but uh, as I understand, you ended up accidentally becoming a sponsor for something quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were those were dark times, Dale. But um, <laughs> yeah, and so like the school offers a whole lot of clubs that are tied to curriculum. But then there are like non-curricular clubs. So you'll have, you know, kids who do like, a, you know, a board game club. And there are you know, kids who do like mock sword fighting clubs. Like a- anything that you can find a, a faculty member to sponsor um, is allowed to happen. And so a, a couple of years back, you know, just like the most sincere and saddest kids came into my classroom and asked me if I would sponsor their, uh, their My Little Pony Club. Right, so it was it was the Brony <laughs> Club, and uh, we only did it for one year because I, I I I found an excuse to not be able to do it the next year. But uh, <laughs> man, just an, just what an odd what an odd thing. But yeah, these kids come in and and like one of them had been visibly like crying recently, and they're like, Mr. Bennett, you're our last hope. We've asked everybody else, and so they they pitched this idea of coming together as a, a group of mostly boys and and watching episodes of My Little Pony and singing songs and talking to each other. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's really odd. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of saw the desperation in their eyes. But I also understood that, like, if I didn't do it, like, no one else was going to. And it was really, really important to them. And so I agreed. But I agreed with the idea, with, with the understanding that the deadline to submit paperwork had already come and gone. And so I, I thought that maybe I could get some points with them by saying, yeah, let's do it. But then when they turned in the paperwork, it was going to be like denied because they had already right. missed the cutoff point by several weeks. And some stupid administrator, you know, decided to go ahead and honor it. And so I had agreed <laughs> to it thinking it wouldn't happen, but then it ended up happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's and awesome. they wanted to meet, I mean, because my French club meets once a month, and they wanted to meet every single week. And I'm like, we can't, we can't meet every week. And so I, I, I think I told them every other week was what we negotiated, but they would forget which week they had met, so they would always show up on Wednesdays. <laughs> and they would even meet at the school in front of my classroom just in case I'd let them in. I mean, they would have met every single day if I'd let them. Wow, that's commitment. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is something. Now, I remember I was actually substituting at your school for one of those meetings, and you invited me to come, and it was a unique experience uh, seeing these teenage boys. They had, and they they went out. They had food. There was cartoons showing on the screen. They had coloring pages. Um, it was it was quite quite a sight, but I, I imagine you, you might have saved some of their lives by having that after-school club. Yeah, I, I I often say that if it weren't for me, they probably would have just walked into traffic. And so it's, <laughs> it's good that they 
that they had a place for it. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I still catch hell over that, like, today. It's been it's been years, but, like, you know, people will still call me out. Like, aren't you the Brony Club guy? It's like, you know what? <laughs> Step off. I do other things. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, uh, James, uh, you, you've you've uh, you've put a lot of education and, and, and time into into your profession. Um, what advice would you have for maybe someone that's entering college or, or thinking about a career in teaching? I mean, it, it's it's a much different career even today than it was when when I got into the, into the profession. I've been at the high school level for ten years. I did a little bit of community college teaching before that, um, but it's—I mean—it's—it's it's completely different today. It's a lot more uh, like technology-based. Um, That—that probably needs to be a, a larger part of of what aspiring teachers get into is being comfortable with um, with with the ever fastly changing technologies. I mean, it's—it's it's still a pretty good profession, though. I mean, it, the pay isn't great, but it's not terrible. Um, you do typically have, you know, evenings and weekends free, you know, any holidays. Summers are great if you can make it work. And so, like, a, a lot of those benefits kind of, you know, overshadow some of the more difficulties. But it's not it's not an easy profession. I mean, you got to have a thick skin. I mean, you have to not take things personally. I mean, you got to understand sometimes that, like, maybe it's not worth fighting the 13-year-old over something because it's it's not really that big of a deal. And maybe they're not quite ready to learn the life lesson that you're trying to teach them anyway. So, mm. if, I mean, if, if you're able to, to navigate those waters, if you're able to not take things personally, if you're able to, uh, to understand you're not going to be, you know, a funding priority for the local legislature, and, um, and that when, you know, when things go wrong in society, some of your neighbors are going to blame you, you know, if you can get past all of that, um, it, it can be a really good profession. If there's something that you really love that you're that you're trying to show um, its value and uh, and and beauty to other people, well, that's great. Um, and and I can I can imagine that that passion will is picked up by the students. And um, I substituted for your class a few times, and I could see the excitement in the students um, for the subject. Yeah, I mean, you've also got to understand that, like, there'll be things that are really important to you that your students just aren't going to care about. doesn't matter right. how hard you try to make them, um, you know, see the brilliance of a poet that you think is cool or a specific story or a grammar point. I mean, there are things that, like, just absolutely fascinate me that, you know, if, if I took any of this personally, you know, I would hate every one of my students for not you know, <laughs> loving for not loving it at a level that I do. And so, right. I mean, even like the kids that you think are on your side, like they're not always going to, you know, see eye to eye, to eye to eye with you on stuff. And then you just got to be able to let that go. Yeah. Well, in teenage years, a, a turbulent time in general and. Yeah, um, of course. But at least they're getting that exposure to, to something new and, and that's pretty exciting. Well, James, it was it was great having you on the show, and uh, you know, late, later in this in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about my limited experience as a substitute teacher. But really, I have a, just a profound appreciation for for educators that that do this uh, full time. So, thanks for joining us today, and for all that you do for your students and for the community. Thank you, Dale.
And now for Dale's Tales. For about a year and a half, I was a substitute teacher while I was building clientele for my business. I learned a lot from that job, including how amazing teachers are. My first posting was as a teacher's aide for a kindergarten class. In orientation, I lost count of the number of times I was told never to touch the kids. Even if a child had a detonator, that would blow up the whole city. Never touch a student. The teacher asked me to read a story to the students. So the kindergartners sat on the special rug, and I was in the chair reading to them and showing them the pictures. When the story was over, it was time for recess, and as the kids were getting up to go outside, the teacher says, Class, what do we say to Mr. Robbins? In unison, their little faces lit up. I froze in stunned horror as twenty little munchkins came running towards me with a chorus of, Thank you, Mr. Robbins. As many as could fit latched onto my legs, and the ones who could not reach me were hugging the ones that could. It was a beautiful and a little bit scary group hug. But one of my favorite things to do as a substitute teacher, no matter what grade, was reading for or with children and talking about what we read. I would often think to myself, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. When I had the chance, I would choose to cover uh, middle school or high school language arts because that has always been my favorite subject all the way through college. Also, sixth grade was a good balance for my style and personality, and the student's level of comprehension, maturity, and receptiveness. I had a great sixth grade class for a week one time. One of the things they were working on was graphing. We would plot coordinates on a graph, my graph was on the screen, and they would do theirs on the paper. I introduced them to a song I learned as a kid from a segment on the Pee Wee Herman show. He would jump around on an animated screen with floating dots and jump from dot to dot. Each time he reached a new dot, a line was drawn connecting the previous dot. And he would sing... So we did this as a class all week and sang... every time we graphed. I wonder if their teacher ended up hating me. I was an aide for a special ed class once and met a sweet little guy who would randomly say, pizza, about every five minutes or so. And more than once, he told me about his dog named Lucky, who, as it turns out, wasn't very lucky because the dog got hit by a car. There was a class I taught one day that, for whatever reason, we didn't have access to the computers. I reacquainted the students with prehistoric Google. You may remember it as a dictionary. On one special occasion, I substituted for my daughter's third grade class. We sat together at lunchtime. With high school classes, truancy was an issue sometimes, especially when the students found out 
a sub was in. One of my favorite movies is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And while my truancy level was not a, as egregious as Mr. Bueller's, I pulled a few stunts in my days. In 1934, President Roosevelt appointed Joseph Kennedy to be the director of the newly formed Securities Exchange Commission. Not because Mr. Kennedy was a brilliant administrator, but because he was a notorious stock manipulator and inside trader. And as such, he would be able to pick out illegal activity in the stock market. Likewise, my high school experience prepared me for this role as a substitute teacher. One thing that kids loved to do was answer for someone else when I was taking role. So their friend could be counted as present when in reality that student was skipping. This was a fun game until they realized the teacher had left me a seating chart with the student's names and picture for each seat. If I didn't have a chart like this, I would call the roll and then count the number of students in the room, then compare it to the number of students I marked present. From the look of utter shock and almost betrayal on their faces, you would have thought I had just stolen their lunch money. Then there were the kids who would show up at the beginning of class, and after I took attendance, they would wait until I was engaged with another student and sneak out. So about five minutes before the end of class, I would count the number of students and call roll again to see who left. I made a note for the teacher if anyone was missing. Suddenly everyone became a civil rights attorney. You can't do that. He was here when you first took roll. I'll refer you to Bueller versus the Board of Education for precedent on this matter. In a high school class, a girl came in and identified herself as the sister of a boy in my classroom. She explained to me that the boy needed to come with her immediately because their grandmother had just passed away and they needed to go home because the grandmother could not be removed from the home until the family performed a ritual in the house. And this was an important tradition for her family. After extending my condolences for her loss, I called the school office and relayed the information. The school called their parents, and in reality, Grandma was just fine, and the student was not excused from class. Oh, to be a fly on the wall at that home. But hey, points for creativity. A student once asked me why adults care so much about their future. I mean, it's our lives, she said. I reminded her that her future is my future too. Someday, you may be the doctor that treats someone I love. You may be the first responder who saves my life. You may be a legislator who helps decide policies that affect us all. Teachers are heroes, folks. Let's give them a hand. And that's all for now. I'll be back next Friday. Thank you for joining me. Until then, please visit www.reasonsforleaving.com for more content. And please, tell a friend. I'm Dale Robbins, and remember, failure is the condiment that gives success the flavor.